Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing everybody a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage and on today's episode we offer a very warm welcome to a first-time guest on the show olivia collier olivia thank you very much for joining us my pleasure Um, olivia is the head of client services gb for verve live and is on the show today to talk about the work they do on behalf of diageo and particularly for guinness at the six nations um that may well spill if you forgive the pun into um talking about some of the other uh, brands that Verve Live um, handle on behalf of Diageo and some of the other work that they do. But first of all, Olivia, as I've said, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit, first of all, about Verve Live as an organization and fundamentally what it is you do. Great. Okay. So Verve Live is a Europe, we're a European live creative agency specializing event and brand activation. We work with a number of um, big global brands um, building great activation so that could be um, consumer um, experience it could be um, conferences or sponsorship or or launches so we have a really broad range we work with five of the top 10 global brands and we've been around for 27 years and we have a really strong client list Diageo, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Google, Huawei and Facebook being the top ones mm-hmm. we um, we take a, probably a slightly different approach to other um, live event agencies Uh, Rather than disrupt the fan experience, we believe that activation should add value. So we are really keen to make sure that consumers opt in to our brand experiences to provide deeper, more meaningful um, engagement. It's about developing simple but engaging activations, which consumers can enjoy, share and and remember for the future. And and this this approach has proven to increase purchase consideration uh, moving forwards. We have offices in London, Dublin and Amsterdam. And a really broad range of, of clients and, and experiences, as I said before. And as I mentioned at the, the start of the episode, um, I suppose that the, the main reason that we've got you on the show today is, is to talk yep. about um, the work that Verve Live did with um, with Guinness, with the Guinness brand and the brand activation that was implemented during the, the Six Nations um, yep. rugby tournament for our international uh, yep. listeners, our international Those followers. Six Six Nations is is the uh, the annual um, rugby union tournament that takes place between England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Italy, and France. And for many many years now, Olivia Guinness has been a hugely associated uh, brand with that particular tournament, hasn't it? Yes, Guinness has been um, in rugby in various guises for for many years. There were Guinness uh, sponsors of the Guinness of the Premiership, as the Viva Premiership as it is now. And Mm -hmm. I think they were sponsored for about 10 years. They sponsor um, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland. um, Who have I left off? We're also title sponsor of the Pro 14, which again is a a bit similar to the Viva Premiership, but it involves um, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, Italy and South African rugby clubs. Um, so we do have, a, Guinness has a really strong relationship with rugby fans and we're always working and striving to improve that relationship and that engagement. Uh, you know, we, we really want to be part of the rugby community and everything we do is focused on building that relationship with our fans. 
And in terms of the opportunities then that that association has from a brand activation point of view, which is where you guys come in yep. and your area of specialism, I suppose one of the one of the huge differences uh, between rugby and football, which is a, a, a common comparison, yeah. is is the fact that there is um, you can take drinks during yeah. the Six Nations. You can actually sit in the stadium and have a drink with you whilst you're watching the match. There's not so much this this culture of just a bar outside yeah. the stadium where you have a beer beforehand and go in. Does that in turn then give you more opportunities as a live events agency and a brand? Brand activation agency to to actually take the brand in different directions and do things at stuff like a, a rugby tournament yeah i mean i think you know we we work hard um at, at verve to look at how we can create those memorable brand experiences for fans mm-hmm. um and, and this you know it's all about for guinness it's all about creating that environment that people will come to and dwell um so you know that it does give us lots of opportunity and, and guinness is all about communion and people coming together regardless of who they support they come mm. together at the bar to to talk about their passion point which is rugby uh, and that is why guinness and rugby has has been such a successful partnership i mean at, at at the rugby grounds we we do work hard to make sure that you know we are creating that really great immersive experience so we create and build um, big pop-up bars at, at most of the venues. So at Twickenham we have the Guinness Surge Bar, which is a 35 meter by 15 meter um, enormous immersive experience bar in the West Fan Village. So we have thousands of people come there pre-match. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really great environment to drink in. It's obviously a nice shelter from the elements because it's always cold um, during Six Nations and, and the Autumn Internationals. But we also then look at what other um, what other factors can we bring to make it better? So, for example, we have bring in the Six Nations trophy. We could have a legend, an England rugby legend, serving at the bar and kind of having that chat with um, fans who are ordering their drinks, uh, just creating that unique environment, giving that special kind of magic that you'd expect from Guinness. But we also make sure that we're getting, uh, we're giving fans that quick quality pints. So we have Guinness waitresses that go round the surge bar. Um, exterior around the West Fan Village, taking orders from pints, coming backstage, getting them, and then taking them back to, to the fans. Um, so it's just trying to think about those kind of elements that fans would want. Likewise, mm. we put on really engaging entertainment for fans. Um, we've got the Guinness Fan Stage right next to the Guinness Surge Bar in the West Fan Village, where we have pre-match, we have rugby Q&A, so we get that kind of real rugby insight that rugby fans really love talking about, that kind of I guess it's banter. It's rugby banter, which everyone, you know, rugby loves to to talk about. And post-match, we have a really cool band that plays music and, and the Surge Bar and the West Fan Village becomes a kind of dance floor, if you like, and, and everyone stays and has, has a really great night. And, and so, you know, it's those kind of elements. We have parasols across the Surge Bar um, outside with heaters in, so you can get warm and sheltered if you want to, but you can also go out and enjoy the music. So, you know, it's about creating, within our Surge Bar environment, it's about creating, creating a really great um, atmosphere. In Scotland, we do something similar. We have a Guinness inflatable pint, which is a huge, I mean, it's a huge inflatable, which stands out. It's very visible from afar, very Guinness, and it's got really a top, a white top and black, the rest of it. And inside, it's a bar that fits in about 250 people. So inside there, we have, again, we've got a bar. We do Q&As with legends and current rugby players. We do music post-match. 
So again, it's all about providing the fans there a really great environment, similar at Principality Stadium as well. Um, so, you know, all of that, it all comes together, you know, at the stadium to providing great um, immersive experience. Off, if you like, online, we also try, we also look to try and do something similar. Mm. This year, we had the Guinness Greenwood series, which is a new idea that um, we came up with. So I think social media for Guinness has been focused additionally on low but high quality volume of posting. You know, so we did the kind of very designed, um, pre-prepared visuals, which work really well if it's effective, yeah. it's on brand and gets great engagement. But we wanted to do something that actually engaged the social community in a more live environment. So we held a, um, you know, we've created this kind of live social media campaign that helps Guinness continue to build their rugby credentials with their online audience. So we had a number of events at key Guinness pubs with Will Greenwood hosting right. yep. fans in the background, you know, chatting about what's going on. Uh, and Will would do live commentary in England matches with a legend from the opposing team. So, it, you know, it was created really great kind of is again, it's that rugby banter and it's coming together to talk about yeah. rugby and that, that was a huge success. So yeah, I think everything we do is about trying to engage with rugby fans on a very rugby focused level. And I guess it, it engaged them in a way that, that fits in with the brand ultimately as well, because, because everything is geared around the brand yeah. of, of Guinness. And, and when we think about it, when people, when you say the word Guinness, imagine people are instantly, um conjured up images of um you know very social lively bars people chatting people laughing people enjoying a good time there's a certain yeah lifestyle that it instantly conjures up just by saying the name absolutely and that's what you know we strive to constantly kind of make it better and better and to people continue to have that belief and you know it's it's very much about thinking what we want those fans to think yeah let's go to that Guinness bar again you know in the stadium it was great we had a great time there great pre-match great post-match let's go there I mean obviously we also try and drive people to the pubs around the stadium um you know we do a lot in, in there in those pubs as well to make sure there's great Guinness visibility on match day sure, so we don't yeah. want to take away from the pubs but what we want to do is to make sure that when when fans come to the stadium they have an equally great experience well, I guess, yeah, uh, uh, and, and it's, it's a good point that you make there that, that, that perhaps is sometimes overlooked is that, especially with the drinks brands, if you're creating a temporary brand activation zone outside a stadium, that's fantastic. You want as many people to utilise that as possible. But for a drinks brand, when you have got these fixed locations that are trading all year round, yeah. you want to make sure that they're benefiting from the work you're doing to expose the brand. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's paramount that commercial team, you know, with Guinness, they're achieving success as well. You know, it can't just be about sponsorship trying to get everyone there it's very much about making sure you know those who anyone who's ever been to Twickenham or, or Edinburgh Murrayfield you know mm-hmm. or Principality know that all those bars are absolutely rammed so you yeah. know and obviously that's the kind of priority make sure they're rammed and then anyone else who's left we want them to come to the stadium um when it comes to the creative process th- this is obviously the six nations takes place every year and itself yep. has evolved you know it was the four nations and the yep. five nations and the six nations um and you mentioned that guinness has this long association with the sport and yep. with this tournament in itself um how difficult does that make the creative process year on year so that the the yeah. the, the, the stuff that you're doing on behalf of of the and on behalf mm. of guinness is mm. continually evolving and is continually being sort of rethought is is the creative process very much driven by 
Verve Live or is it a combination of working with the client to see what they want to do and what ideas you can come up with? Um, it, it's a mixture, I, I think. You know, I think we are sponsors of all the home union stadiums or clubs. Um, so we have to maintain neutrality, um, which helps in a way because it means that we can standardise our creative thoughts, if you like, because it can't be too specific to England or, you know, it, it has to be kind of Guinness, if you like, and, and yeah. at, at its core, it, it's Guinness. Um, but, you know, Verve, uh, Verve tend to drive the experiential in the stadium and what we do there. Um, with, within the kind of obviously within the confines of what we know are the rights holders will accept but you know we have worked with them um, for many years and have a really good understanding of what they want uh, and you know obviously any activation that we do has to be mutually beneficial if you like for Guinness and the rights holders and a lot of the, the conversation so far has, has, has revolved around talking about Guinness and the yeah. activation that they're doing um, with the rugby. Yeah. But you also mentioned that as an organisation, Verve Live works for Diageo, who themselves yeah. represent and own a lot of the major, major drinks brands. So, so when yeah. you're outside of Guinness itself, what are some of the other um, events and brands that you've worked with? Yeah. Um, I mean, level. so obviously, yes, we talked about Guinness and rugby. We also manage Guinness, all Guinness's racing um, sponsorships. So that's um, Cheltenham Festival, where we create a big, we've created a big um, Guinness village there, which any, everyone who's been to Cheltenham has been to the Guinness village. It's where everyone comes to, and, uh, and it's a really great atmosphere. And likewise, we work hard to make sure that we do deliver that atmosphere. But also, we work more broadly with, as you say, with a number of Diageo brands. So we work with Tanqueray um, and Gordon's and Pim's on the Jockey Club um, sponsorship. So we build, um, again, immersive experiences at Jockey Club events for those brands. We also work with Pim's on their All England um, Lawn Tennis Club sponsorship, so Wimbledon. So we're in the process, obviously, we're getting close to Wimbledon starts, what is it, you course, know, kind yeah. of months' time from now. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, in pretty advanced stages of um, build. Um, there so you know again PIMS it's, it's a really great um, sponsorship first time the sponsorship sponsored the event was last year um, previous to that actually it was just done through a catering um, agreement um, but so now we have we create two really beautiful PIMS bars with lots of kind of uh, foliage and, uh, and a really great um, PIMS environment so PIMS is front of mind you go to the bar and you say wow you know that I want a PIMS because this looks great it kind of has that it reminds you that that's what you want to drink and it's just about again that brand visibility um, for for PIMS at all England um, but we also as you say we work for we work creating third space activation with a lot of Diageo brands uh, and so you know we have a really great relationship with, with Diageo and really proud of our work uh, with them. Good. Given given how strong some of those brands are, and you mentioned Pims, and um, every, every single one of the major drinks brands evoke certain yeah. ways of, of thinking or, or certain sort of pictures yeah. in your head. As I mentioned with Guinness, the idea of with friends in a pub, sports yeah. perhaps on, and Pims will be a different one. D does that really allow you to get stuck into the creative process when you're working with any different type of brand because you can see sort of what feeling it naturally evokes yeah. when, as soon as you mention that brand yeah i mean every, every brand has a very different feeling so you know pims it's very um english it's very traditional it's very premium so everything we do 
has to have that kind of creative approach. So, you know, Wimbledon bars, it's all tongue, white tongue and groove. We have beautiful kind of ivy and bougainvillea mm. foliage. It, it's very classy. Um, you know, it really does kind of shout premium and, and that's exactly, exactly right. And, and um, whereas, you know, look at Gordon's, um, Gordon's pink, it's more playful. Um, and you know, we did, we did a kind of Gordon's pink, um, payday party, um, last weekend at a bar in Manchester where everything was kind of, everything was pink, everything was fun. Uh, you know, it has that kind of playful elements. Tanqueray again, is a bit more, it's a bit more exotic. And so that we have, we can create those kind of playful touches. So we have, you know, bowls of oranges. Um, we have kind of lots of green greenery, but in a kind of more fun way than PIMS. Um, so it does, it gives you creative license and you can be very different with each of those kind of um, environments and that creative thinking. It's great. It's great. You know, our creative team absolutely love it. It's like, you know, oh, we've got a Tanqueray brief. Yes. Um, because it is, it, it does give you great, great ability to re be really creative. I, I, I bet, but I, I, but the sounds of things as well, when you're working with so many different brands and they will have a certain seasonality to them as yep. well, you know, where Guinness, you're with the rugby and that's in the, the early yep. part of the year when it's still winter time, yep. you're then moving into the spring, into the horse racing, into the summer where you've got the tennis, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, does it give you any time at all to sort of sit back and reflect on, Mm, that that was really hard how, how much sort of debriefing are you actually um, to do we, once you've done these to see what you could improve on and what or what you thought you did really well yeah I mean we do have quite a constant kind of level of high level of activity um you know we just finished the pro 14 last weekend and we've got Epsom this weekend um but we do focus make sure we ha get the time to debrief review um, do the right measurement and evaluation to understand what our success is, where we could do better. So absolutely, you know, we kind of do a kind of stop, start, continue for, for all our events so, so that we're constantly learning, constantly changing uh, and making sure that we, we are moving forwards always to achieve our, our KPIs and ensure success for the brands we work mm. with. Uh, when you talk about K KPIs, um, brand activation is now something a term that we hear <clears throat> so much more in the events industry than we would have done, I don't know, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Um, and it's and it's a massive, massive part of the overall marketing strategy now of most yeah. brands is the ability to actually get face to face with potential customers and, and get their brand or their message into the hands um, of, of their potential customers. Yeah. If you're as such an experienced agency working with such experiences, significantly placed brands, if you're what advice would you give to people who are who are looking at brand activation? What, what are some of the sort of the key things that never change from brand to brand in terms of deliverables, in terms of things that you would always make sure are integrated into something that, that's ultimately being a, a brand activation? I think um, I think critically, it, it's about you know brands are investing more of their marketing budget in experiential, uh, and I think the the critical thing is having fans at the centre of their focus. This needs to be about fans, and, and I think for most brands, you know, depending well, this is obviously if it's B two C kind of. Uh, focus but it needs to be about what the fans want mm -hmm. you know, they're looking we need to look at, at how you can turn audiences into advocates for your brand through the power of live experience and I think everything that we do it needs to be about a kind of simple but engaging idea that will turn those audiences just to really advocate your brand 
Uh, and I think, you know, you have to look at creating a very simple brand message uh, um, to consumers so that, that they really take that home and, and they remember you for something that's engaging but meaningful. And, and what are some of the, I suppose, when we get actually down into the, to the logistics of, of how these activations are, so perhaps going back to, to Guinness at Twickenham um, yeah. as, an, as a reference example, how would you actually ensure or um, promote that interaction with the brand itself? And I'm, I'm sort of leading you down the path a little bit that, that might involve social media. So where you have people that yeah. are in there and they're on their phones, they're, yeah. they're, they're checking in on Facebook, they're taking a photo of themselves and uploading it how are you actually encouraging that and perhaps making it even more accessible for people to do that yeah I think um, you know there's been a huge shift in consumer behavior over the last five years online and offline mm. and I think you know it's really important that we are creating a deeper meaningful relationships meaningful relationship online and offline we need to cultivate that social culture mm. and create an engaged online and off an active offline community so everything we do um for our brands i guess ha has to have a social element so you know for guinness we have our guinness pitch side pundit who's create who's who is on um england rugby um social media channels. So he, he's providing rugby insights to, um, to rugby fans. We also right. have the Guinness Greenwood series where that we have that kind of online engagement. And, and I think, you know, for, for PIMS, again, we have on, online elements at, at Wimbledon so that you're actually, you, you, if you're, if you're um, at home and you're looking at your social media, you feel part of the action, even though you're not there. But if you I are see. there, you're creating that kind of fear of missing out. So, you know, it's uh, at, uh, at various events, we have like a flower wall, a nice Gordon's pink flower wall, if you like, where it provides a great backdrop for you to have your photograph taken that you will post on social media. So it does something for the fans. They're getting a great picture. But for Gordon's, they're, you know, they're providing that backdrop and, and they're getting that social media buzz. So I think it's really about creating that fear of missing out um, backdrop, if, if you like, for... Um, for activations sure yeah are there are there social media targets set um for all, all of the events that you run or for some of the events that you run how are they uh, monitored and targeted for some of them for some of the events that we run the guinness greenwood series you know we we obviously that was a completely live social campaign so we absolutely had a, a social um kpi but i i think really you know, I don't, it's not it's not in one of our kind of list of critical deliverables mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a, a number, but it's, it, it's it's an expectation that we will get that kind of online buzz um, through various methods. So I think you know it's important in whatever activation you, you we create. Um, you know, for Ver, we obviously have uh, we have an activation department, we have an events department, we have a um, creative team and we have a digital team and, and really we, we like to work together all of those elements so everything we tend to propose has a social element okay it's critical these days in my mind you mentioned that, that it's not a critical deliverable mm. um, what are the critical deliverables um, I think for well obviously it depends on who your client is but for Diageo Obviously, it's about creating great brand experience. Um, it's about volume sales. You know, obviously, that you know, for sponsorship, it has to, it has to not go part of the way. It has to go part of the way to kind of having that return on, on investment. 
Uh, and those two really are the kind of critical, there are kind of elements that would, um, uh, how do I say it? I'm going to start again, sorry. No, no, no. no. Um, in terms of deliverables, we have kind of two major deliverables that we, we work to for um, Diageo. Every, every brand is different, um, but for Diageo, it's very much about volume sales and creating a really great brand experience um, for fans who are coming to our environments. Sure. Uh, what um, do all of the brands that they operate ha uh, also deliver brand activation or are there certain brands that have never done it before that, that they decide actually, no, we would like to do something with that. How is it constantly changing? Guinness, something like that will happen year on year, I would imagine. And, and unless something major happens, that won't mm. change. But how are some of the other brands brought in and out of the portfolio when it comes to actually live events? Yeah, I think again, um, Jockey Club is really where we see that happen, where as you say, it's seasonal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the winter, everything's very Guinness focused. In the summer, you know, it's much more Pims, Gordon's, um, Tanqueray focused. So we definitely have that kind of seasonal bringing, client, bringing brands in and out depending on the time of year. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, brands like Tanqueray and Gordon's haven't really done um, much sponsorship before. This is their first kind of jockey club is the first foray into sponsorship, really, sponsorship brand activation. They are, I think they're, you know, they're doing some third space activation that they've done in, you know, in last year, but really this is a kind of gin is obviously a really, it's on a massive increase in terms of popularity. Um, and I think that's obviously bringing in new marketing spend, spend uh, and focus. When it comes to the actual um, physical delivery yeah. of these events, yeah. um, do you do, do your uh, does Verve Live remain completely hands on and is, and is there on site literally helping and overseeing the build and the delivery of this, the logistics, the infrastructure that has to go in to do yeah. that? that it, yeah. It's a complete sort of concept to completion and delivery. Yeah, service. absolutely. So we come up with the creative, we come up with the strategy. We're there on site. We obviously have a, a production um, company that we use, but we are there on their on site, um, mm -hmm. advising them on what we want. You know, every day how we'd like it to come making sure that everything's um as we see it you know we really stick to our creative vision mm. um so yes we are extremely hands-on from from that kind of initial concept uh, um right through to being on the day on match day we are there we are i'm pouring pints generally at the kind of <laughs> um making sure that we're getting as many pints out as we can so we are you know we are a very hands-on agency and, and i think that's why we're such such a success it's been such so successful because we really want to achieve success for our clients and we will push the boat out to make sure that that happens do, uh, do, do um do you feel sometimes that agencies are, are overlooked for the sort of the the multi-skill set that they've got to have because from what you've described on today's podcast you are helping to plan and execute a major event you're looking at the build of temporary structures you're looking at the installation of temporary yeah. infrastructure but you're also looking from a customer service point of view to make sure that the customers of your client are being satisfied properly pulling yeah. pints if necessary it, it sounds like you're sort of wearing about 10 different hats when you're taking on one of these jobs yeah i think that's true i mean i think every you know at Verve, we have multiple skill sets and, and, you know, we try and make sure that we do have that broad range so we can really be that kind of hands-on um, agency. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we're ever overlooked. You know, we have a great relationship 
with Diageo and, and you know we've, we get work from clients because we are so hands-on and, and we're passionate about what we do uh, and I think that is that is what makes us kind of stand out from some other agencies. Sure on a personal level when you look at the calendar <laughs> it, it, is there any sort of one or two particular events where you look at and you think that's the one that I really 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 look forward to? Uh, there, there are multiple. I mean, I look at the calendar sometimes and go, go oh my gosh, I feel so exhausted just thinking <laughs> about it. Um, but generally, you know, obviously Pims and Wimbledon is a fantastic event that I think everyone loves and we feel very um, proud to be um, activating there. Um, Six Nations, I mean, I, I have loved rugby as a, from a small child, you know, watching it with my dad. So working at the Six Nations, you know, you know I love being at Twickenham and at all the grounds. It gives you that real, real buzz. Uh, and, you know, and, and going to events like um, the Epsom Derby. So I'm there on Friday and Saturday um, mm. this weekend. Um, and, and, you know, that's, it's, it's a great race in, in the calendar. It's so English um, and, you know, I, I love being. So those are my kind of three highlight events, I think. Sure. If, um, if, if people want to get in touch with, with Verve Live and find out a little bit more about what you guys do, um, tell yeah. us how they would do that. Yeah, if you look at our website, verveliveagency.co.uk, we have all sorts of information on there. All my contact details are on there. We also have a great blog um, that we write, and it's really interesting. It talks a lot about um, events um, and activation and kind of venues. So it's really interesting. So have a look at that. Fantastic. We've been talking on the podcast today to Olivia Collier. Olivia is the head uh, of client services GB for Verve Live. And uh, just to recap today's episode, we've been looking at the work that they do from a brand activation perspective um, on behalf of Diageo, and specifically for, for Guinness during the Six Nations Rugby. And, and we've referenced a lot of the stuff that they've done at Twickenham and also some of the stuff that they've done with other major drinks brands that are owned by Diageo. And, and brand activation clearly plays a huge, huge part in the ongoing marketing strategies of, uh, of those particular brands and I'm sure everybody that's listening and watching today's podcast has been to some sort of sports event where the, a major drinks brand has got activation zone so hopefully the, on today's episode we've really really been able to talk about stuff that you've all got a reference point of be it uh, be it large or small or otherwise thank you very much for uh, Olivia for joining us don't forget to can follow us as well on our own social media platforms at event news blog is the twitter handle and search for us on all of the other types of platforms that are out there and you will find us the podcast itself is brought to you by our sponsor engage powered by d2i systems winner of best event management platform at the 2017 event technology awards to learn more about how engage can make your business more profitable visit d2isystems.com forward slash engaged and there we are. There you have it. We've reached the end of another episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much again to our guest, Olivia Collier from Verve Live. And we will see you all on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you very much. And goodbye to you. Don't